Luke 23, um, page 1059 in the Blue Bibles, starting at verse 6. On hearing this, Pilate asked if the man was a Galilean. When he learned that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased because for a long time he had had been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about him, he hoped to see him perform a sign of some sort. He plied him with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the teachers of the law were standing there, vehemently accusing him. Then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him. Dressing him in an elegant robe, they sent him back to Pilate. That day, Herod and Pilate became friends. Before this, they had been enemies. Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people, and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. I have examined him in your presence and have found no basis for your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us, as you can see. He has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him and then release him. But the whole crowd shouted, Away with this man, release Barabbas to us. Barabbas had been thrown into prison for insurrection in the city and for murder. Wanting to release Jesus... Pilate appealed to them again, but they kept shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! For the third time he spoke to them, Why? What crime has this man committed? I have found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him punished and then release him. But with loud shouts, they insistently demanded, that he be crucified, and their shouts prevailed. So he granted granted their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for, and surrendered Jesus to their will. If anyone was reading this account of Jesus' trial for the first time, without knowing about Jesus' ministry, and without knowing the outcome of the trial, I wonder what they might think would be the most likely result upon this encounter in verses 1 to 5. Would they favour Jesus' accusers, get in their way? Or would they have confidence in Pilate to withstand their demands and stand by his not guilty verdict? And if they have confidence that there will be a fair verdict... What is the tipping point that will cause a change of mind? Let us just bear in mind that as we progress through this account of the trial. We can imagine Pilate's delight at the mention of Galilee. He wanted to verify that Jesus was a Galilean, for that would make him Herod's responsibility. Herod had jurisdiction over Galilee, and he happened to be in Jerusalem now for the Passover festival. Pilate was quickly satisfied that Jesus was a Galilean. 
Although born in Bethlehem in Judah, he was brought up in Nazareth and spent most of his life in and around Galilee. And so Pilate thought that his problem was his problem no longer. It had become Herod's. But Herod was not at all irritated to have Jesus brought before him. Far from it, he was delighted. This Herod is Antipas, the son of Herod the Great. If Herod the Great had achieved his objective, Jesus would not be facing his son now. Jesus would have been one of Bethlehem's baby boys who were massacred on Herod's orders. And as far as Herod Antipas is concerned, there was a time when he was filled with fear at the mention of Jesus. You'll remember that he'd had John the Baptist beheaded and he thought that Jesus was John who had come back to life to haunt him. But there is no fear now. We're told that seeing Jesus fulfilled a long-standing desire to meet him. And why? He wanted Jesus to perform a sign. He just wanted to be entertained by Jesus. And it seemed very clear that he had neither any sense of guilt or remorse for what he'd done to John, nor any compassion for Jesus standing before him, exhausted. What a contrast there is between Jesus standing peacefully before Herod and refusing to answer any questions and his angry accusers hurling their lies and abuse at him. It's understandable that Jesus chose not to answer the questions. There was absolutely no point. The only conversations he needed were those with his father in Gethsemane. He had asked that his father might spare him the cup that he was facing. Yet he was willing to do whatever his father wanted. And he now knew what that was, to be condemned to death by crucifixion, bearing his father's wrath for our sin. He was not wanting to preserve his life. He was willing to surrender it. He would be condemned so that we need not be. We who choose to join ourselves to Christ, to be in Christ, as the Bible expresses it. Like Pilate, Herod did not find Jesus guilty of any of the charges. But nevertheless, he joined his soldiers in treating Jesus with contempt and mocked him before sending him back to Pilate wearing splendid clothing, a sign of mocking. Those imaginary new readers I mentioned at the outset, any who thought that Jesus would be set free must now be having doubts on account of Herod's grotesque behaviour, despite his belief that all the accusations are false. And Pilate has a similar attitude. He, he affirms he did not find Jesus guilty of any of the charges against him. And yet he says in verse 16, I will punish him and release him. Why punish him if he was innocent? And what would the punishment be? Probably a, bu- a brutal and vicious scourging. Of course, Pilate was just hoping to placate the chief priests and the rulers and the people. But Pilate is a weakling. He stands no chance 
of implementing his plan. It is greeted with a demand that Barabbas, a notorious insurrectionist and murderer, should be released rather than Jesus. Pilate does make three feeble attempts to release Jesus, but he caves in. The pressure is too much for this coward. Jesus is condemned. So much for justice. But what if there had been justice? If Jesus, the sinless Son of God, had been set free, what would it have meant for us who are guilty of offending against God? We too would have had to face God's justice ourselves and his punishment. But because of that travesty of justice, we, if we belong to Christ, are afforded mercy rather than justice. Because Jesus was condemned, we, if we belong to Christ, are not condemned. I know you will have heard me say this before, but I will say it again. The reference to the lady who is purported to have reflected on the death of Jesus and grieved his death at such a young age. What a tragedy, she said. He could have done so much good. What a complete misunderstanding of the purpose of Jesus' death. We who belong to Jesus grieve our sin that made his death necessary. But we do not grieve his death. We celebrate it. Jesus' accusers, with all their false allegations, thought that they had secured the victory that day. But no, Jesus did. It was he who surrendered his life. He was fulfilling the mission of the triune God. And because Jesus was condemned, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus'